Hello, this is Dennis Thomas with Things That Matter, where we speak about everything from faith to finance and all things in between. So I wanted to speak about an interesting situation that happened to me. About two weeks ago, I'm on Christmas break and I'm with my two kids and we are leaving Philly and we just went ice skating with them. And funny thing, my daughter, who is four years old, sometimes runs and falls and she had this just very clean spill on the sidewalk in Philly and totally slides into home plate and I'm thinking oh she's going to get up and she's going to cry and that's exactly what happened so she gets up help her up give her a hug ask her if everything's okay it's not okay and after a few minutes she felt better and there was a young man and a young girl. They were together. They were probably in their 20s. And they came up to me and they said, oh, we saw that fall. Is she doing okay? And I said, yes, yeah, she is. And he says to me, I wanted to ask you a question about something. And of course, what does he bring up? He brings up the Bible. And I'm thinking, all right, this is cool. Usually you meet people on the street and they bring up something about the Bible. Typically, my guard is up just a little bit because I'm thinking, okay, there's certain groups that will promote the Bible in that type of setting, and sometimes it doesn't align with my thought process or what I believe about Christianity, for example, and that's what happened. The person brings up how they are a Christian, how they or go to a non-denominational church, which is the type of church that I go to, and they believe that the Bible is a true word of God. Everything that someone from my church would say as well. But then he begins to explain verses in the Bible that just to me didn't really match up to things that I believe. He goes to Genesis one twenty six and speaks about how God has made uh, He's made man in in, uh, in our image. You know, he speaks to to basically kind of talking about the, the Trinity, right? Let us make man in our image. And he goes on to create male and female. And so he speaks about that verse. And he's like, who is he talking about? Let us make man in our image. And I tell him he's talking about the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There's one God, there's three persons. He's speaking and letting it be known that there is more than one person involved here but there's one God we believe this so he's he agrees but he's still thinking there's something else to it God creates a male but he also created a female and if he made them in in his image then wouldn't you think that if he made a male that there would be a male like Adam and then if he made a female there would be a female like Eve but you don't see any woman there any mother there and God is the father so he would have to have a mother as well to be made in the image of the female. And I'm thinking, I don't really think that's what he's talking about in that situation. When we're made in his image, it's more because we have the ability to have that spirit, that Holy Spirit come within us and live with inside of us. And when he died on the cross, he goes and, and gets beaten and carries the cross and dies on the cross for our sins. He gets uh, on the third day, he 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 get well. He gets placed into a cave, right? He dies, but on the third day, he gets out of the cave and rises again and walks the earth for about forty days or so, and then eventually 
ascends into heaven. And what does the Bible say that he leaves behind? He left behind his Holy Spirit. And for those of us that believe, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall have everlasting life. We are the ones that believe in him that will actually have that spirit live within us so that when God sees us, he really sees himself. He's no longer at that point seeing us as that sinful person that we are. Because God can't see any of that. He's a perfect being. He needs to see us as he sees himself. And so that's why he leaves the Holy Spirit, which is our comforter. The Holy Spirit lives within us so that when God sees us, he really sees himself. So he's not talking about an image looking like him. He's talking about the ability of a being, ourselves, human being, that has the capacity to be almost like God in the sense where we have that spirit within us. So he goes on to show me verses in Revelation 19. And I don't know Revelation that well, but I had an opportunity to really go back and review some of these verses. And in Revelation 19, 19.7, for example, he's showing me how it says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. And he says to me, Who's the Lamb? And in the Bible, we know that the Lamb of God is Jesus Christ. You know, back when... In the Old Testament, a lot of uh, the Jewish followers, they had to, you know, even we know about the Passover, right? They had to put, they had to sacrifice lambs. Lambs were considered to be of, of no blemish. They were, they were used as a sacrifice to cover the sins that the Jewish people committed in the Old Testament. And so they would have to sacrifice this lamb and the blood is shed and that blood covered their sins. So whenever they sinned and, and they had to, to go and, and repent of the sins, they were oftentimes they'd have to use a lamb to do that. Now Jesus Christ comes and says that he's the lamb of God. Now he did that on purpose because we see here that people had to on a regular basis sacrifice that lamb to cover their sins. And it shows us here, too, it's like a foreshadowing that the Lamb is going to save us. But Jesus Christ comes as the Lamb of God to save us. He dies on the cross. His blood is shed. He becomes sin for us. But instead of the sin just being covered, the sin is totally washed away. So when God sees us, he sees himself. He doesn't see any of the sin that we commit. And I asked Sophia, who's four, you know, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, what did he die for? And she's like, our sins. And I said, what are our sins? She's like, the bad things that we do. So we do this every day, right? We do small sins, big sins, right? We do sins every day. But the good thing is that Jesus Christ died on the cross for all of them. Past, present, and future. The sins that we already committed, the ones we do today, and the ones that we will do tomorrow. Because we're not perfect, and that's why we needed a Savior. Otherwise, we don't need a Savior. We could do it on our own. And so I try to tell him the lamb is Jesus Christ, as the Bible says. The bride, though, he thinks is the mother. The religion that he believes, he was trying to explain to me that there's a God, the father, but there's also God, the mother. And the Bible isn't so clear on that. And now it's being spoken about because we're in the last days. I said, no, no, no. That's not what they're talking about there. The bride is the church. The bride is or the believers. 
those that believe in Jesus Christ, those that believe He died on the cross for our sins. Those, that's the bride that Jesus Christ is coming for. So He's the Lamb coming for the bride. He's the bridegroom. We're the bride. We become one. We're married. He uses this example with husband and wives because we become one. One man, one woman. The man will leave his mother and he becomes one with the woman, the female. And this is a perfect example of what God does for us. We believe in him. We become one. We fit together perfectly. And so this situation helped me realize, too, that I need to be ready for these conversations that you have with people who believe it. He was a true believer that what he was saying was correct. And I haven't, I've only heard this once before, but I didn't get into a full conversation. A few years ago, I was in front of LA Fitness and someone came up to me and said kind of the same thing as him, but I didn't get into the full conversation. And this conversation I got into was a little bit more full. And, and my heart's racing, too, because... I think I know I know what's happening here. Uh, it's, it's kind of like a, a false religion. It's it's promoting false doctrination, and here we are having this conversation. My heart's racing because I'm thinking I, I hope I'm prepared to have this conversation. I, you know, I study these things, I review these things, I love these conversations, I love to debate. So that that's perfect. But my heart's racing because I'm hoping that I have the information that I need. And the good thing, too, with these scenarios is as you go through it, you practice a little bit more, you get better. And I felt like I handled well. We had another conversation where I was able to speak a little bit further and kind of understand where he was coming from. And there was a few other odd things that were said. You know, he said to me that you need to follow Ten Commandments in order to get to heaven. And I tried to show places in the Bible where that's not true. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace we have been saved through faith and not by works, lest one may boast. Right? So it's grace. It's God's grace that saves us. It's not our works. So we are saved by grace, His grace. Right? Because we are guilty of doing things, so we should be punished for that, but it's His grace that saves us. So we are saved by grace through faith. And having that faith is believing that you don't have to do all these works to get to heaven. So yeah, you want to follow Ten Commandments, but you follow it because you're a Christian. You don't follow it to become a Christian. Jesus is on the cross with these two thieves that are ready to die. And the one thief, I'm paraphrasing here, says that he believes that Jesus is the King of Kings. And he says, because of that, you will be with me in paradise. So that person didn't have to show that they follow the Ten Commandments right? They were able to get there because they believed in something. And that's what you and I do. And then once we believe in something, that's what allows us to act upon that belief. And so in that case, we do things because we believe, because we are saved not to become something. We can't become it. The demands of the law are too heavy. You couldn't follow all of them. And there's multiple occasions that you read in the gospel where Jesus speaks about this. So you couldn't follow all the laws anyway because they demand perfection. We know that in the culture that we live in, society we live in now, it requires perfection. You can't get away with things. Now, you can sometimes get away with things because people don't catch you, but the law does require perfection. You break that law once and someone watches you, you're going to get in trouble. It requires us to be perfect, but we can't be perfect. We are always 
going to fall and stumble. We strive to do well, but at times we do make mistakes. And so we need someone that's going to say, don't worry about it. And we really need someone that wipes it all away. And that's exactly what he does when he dies on the cross and that blood, it wipes it completely away. So I wanted to share that. Be ready, be prepared. We need to be able to defend what we believe in. It's going to happen. You're going to run into people like that. And this person knew the verses really well, but they didn't have the context. And I enjoyed having that conversation, but I also enjoyed it more because I feel like I was ready to have that conversation. And I think that's what we need to always keep in mind is to be ready and understand what do we believe in. Because this is going to save lives. It's going to save our life. It's going to save the lives of others. John 3.16 For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Whoever believes in Him shall have everlasting life. Have a good day, my friends.